We at The Daily Brew take the Bible and the study of it very seriously. Have you ever wondered where we or our special guests go when we want to dive into God's Word more deeply? We go to Logos, the best Bible software available. From in-depth word studies in the original languages to commentaries from scholars both new and old, there are lexicons and grammars and sermons and collected works of heroes of the faith, and even ancient texts for the serious Bible students. Never before has so many great tools been bundled together into one software. To learn more about this incredible ministry, call 888-390-7341. That's 888-390-7341. While you're there, go ahead and tell them that you heard about this incredible software on The Daily Brew. You are busy. You are always on the go, but are you making time for you? The Y is dedicated to helping you stay active, live better, and find the best possible version of you. From basketball courts to functional training space, indoor pools, and yoga studios, the best of Knoxville is right in your backyard. Group classes and personal trainers that will challenge and encourage you. The Y has something for everyone. Join the Y and get unlimited access to all five locations. From the heart of downtown Knoxville to Farragut and Halls, all with no contracts. For a better us. This is... The Daily Brew. Glad that uh, it's uh, in the 90s because it's been 120 for the last three months. And, uh, but now it's nice and cool. And I said, um, you do realize that it's not been 90 at any point in where I'm from in the last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. They always tell me it's a dry Phoenix. Actually, like, actually, it was worse than that because I had this my whole talk. A lot, well, not my whole talk. A lot of my talk was about the uh, enjoying the warmth and sunshine of God's love. And then, sort of halfway through, I realised that this analogy just didn't work in uh, in Arizona, where 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 the sun is sort of this oppressive force. And uh, that's why in the in the in the um, in the Old Testament, all the images of God are to do with springs and rain and water and um, but there we are. When in Sheffield, the uh, idea that God's love might, might might be like the warmth of the sunshine works very well. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. We are here with uh, Tim Chester. He has written quite a few books on biblical community. Uh, he has written a book, A Meal with Jesus. He's written several Total Church and uh, several books such as that on this topic. So thank you very much uh, for taking the time to join us. Pleasure. One of the, the first questions we want to ask you is, uh, how does biblical community differ from maybe a secular involvement in a club or just involvement uh, with uh, friends? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the place to start, actually, I think is with the gospel itself and with the Bible story, uh, because what we see there is that community is not this kind of add-on or this option or this act, even this activity in which we engage but actually is our identity. 
uh, it's our identity as people, as as creatures. We are uh, as human beings. We are made for community. We're made to live in community, in the image of the uh, communal God, the God who is three in one. Uh, we are made. It, you know, it, uh, God says, "Let us make man in our image." And uh, right there at the beginning, we have that sense, uh, that that sort of hint, as it were, that God Himself is a community of three persons, and He makes us in His image to be communal people. And then we're remade uh, for community and in community. And so the way the gospel, uh, the way the Bible tells the gospel story, is not me on my own. I'm a sinner. I need to be reconciled with God. Uh, Christ dies for my sin. All of that is true. All of that is part of the gospel. But, but it presents the gospel primarily as the story of how God uh, uh, saves a people, creates a people to be his people, the, the family of Abraham, Israel, the church. And so to become a Christian is to become part of that community uh, for which Christ died. And so right at the heart of our identity as Christian is community. You can't be a Christian apart from community. And so community is not this activity that you opt in and out of. Uh, it's not this thing that you do on a sort of Tuesday night or whatever. It is this identity it, it therefore infuses your whole life. And then I think that leads to a very, uh, what is often a very striking distant, uh, difference with, uh, with unbelievers who engage in community, which is that this is, uh, Christian community is cross-generational, cross-class, Cross race, uh, you know, the the gospel brings us with all our uh, diversity brings us together, and uh, I often say to my to my community, you, you know, you've got to realise that we are the most diverse group of people in the neighbourhood. There is nowhere else where such a diversity of people come together with a commitment to being family with one another. Mm, that is that is very helpful. What are some, in light of that, what are some uh, practical ways that you can uh, build community um, in your local church? Uh, I mean, I think it depends kind of your role within the church. Uh, I, I would always start with, uh, as I've just said, really, uh, enabling people to see that the gospel is not just about me and God, but actually it's about God's purposes to have a people, a bride for his son. And so then to really just sort of uh, begin with that idea that community is an identity um, but then I think you just you, need, you just need to get on with it really and that means inviting people into your home uh, involving yourself in their lives uh, sharing life together uh, all the kind of ordinary everyday stuff uh, you don't need to wait for some kind of mandate you don't need to uh, people often get very um, focused on the structures of the church what you know do, do you have small groups when do they meet how often do they meet what do they do when they meet I, I think that's all very secondary to just actually getting on with it and sharing life with people having people in your home sharing meals together mm. you actually basically hit on one of my last question so do you think uh, small groups are the best venue to creating um, this type of community I, you kind of addressed that already that uh, uh, people get focused on the idea of small groups without actually ever addressing the issue. But uh, do you think they, uh, small groups are the best venue for creating or helping support this type of community? I, uh, I think it depends a little bit how they're set up. Uh, let me take a step back, and, and, and I'm going to be a bit like a broken record here. But um, <laughs> I remember 
having a long meeting with a group of church planters with a back and forth and i think we we we, we all found it a bit frustrating uh we, it was like we were having two conversations that weren't quite matching and then somebody the next day said to me it was, it was a conference next day said i think i figured out what was going on we kept you we kept asking you about how to do church and you kept replying in terms of uh, of identity of 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 theology of who we are and i think actually that did capture something i think in terms of the structures of your i think structure is important by the way i'm not I, i'm not advocating some kind of just sort of free for all just let it all hang out do your own thing kind of thing i think structure is important but structure is it's, it's very contextual. It's very dependent on on who you've who you've got in your church, who you're trying to reach. Uh, it changes, you know. In in my experience as a church planter, who who's met together, when they've met, where uh, that's just been constantly changing. How all of that's been organised, and so that's that's really secondary. The important thing is to understand who we are in Christ as community beings. And uh, and then to encourage people to get on with it and to share life together. So, yeah, so, so small groups. I mean, small groups. They they can be a great way of doing it. They can be a distraction if people see the small group as their way of doing community. You know, I I do community on a Wednesday night when I have a Bible study with my small group. Then in a sense, they're getting in the way actually of community. But but inevitably, you you're going to organise or self-organise or emerge. What will emerge will be communities of people. So in that sense, small groups are. Are always going to be part of the way community operates. You can't be in community with two thousand people. Uh, it's just it's just not realistic. Mm. That is very helpful. Jeremy had a few questions for you as well. Uh, yes, um, you actually touched on this. One of the questions um, I think a lot of people have um, is uh, what what's the practical ways um, that a pastor can help his church see the community is not just something that people check off their schedule. But it's essential to their growth as a Christian. Uh, so basically, uh, instead of an event like you were just talking about a minute ago, how can we have our people look at community as something that's essential to to their Christian life and not just something they check off every week? Yes, it's a good question. I think uh, I mean part of the answer, as you said, I've already suggested, which is to say that community is essential to the gospel, to the Bible story. It's not this activity that you add on. Uh, so that's the beginning. So that that affects the way you teach. Then I think. Uh, secondly, I think as a pastor, you've just you've got to model it, and uh, you've got to involve yourself in in other people's lives. Have them into your home. Be open and vulnerable with people. Share life with people. You can't cut yourself off in uh, and and be somehow sort of distanced from the community. You've got to uh, you've got to set the culture, and and I think you've got to do that in a way where you're not. You're not imposing this as a kind of law on people. Uh, instead, you've got to uh, commit yourself to community in such a way that people want to be part of it. So you've got to model it in a way that, that everyone is saying, I want some of that. I want that kind of experience that I can see happening there. Uh, I think the other thing I just want to add as well is that we've got to get away from this idea that community is this activity that we've got to add on. So here's this poor member of a church who is working a 40-hour week uh, plus a commute, uh, comes home, family responsibilities, and he serves in the church, 
uh, in some way. So that's another activity. There's a, there's somewhere he's got to sleep, you know. And so you've got all these activities, and now you rock up and say, by the way, you should be doing community, and that just becomes this huge burden because somehow he's got to fit community into this already packed schedule. And instead, we've got to get this idea that community, if you like, is the context in which everything else happens. So it's not necessarily about adding in more activities, but actually doing all the things that you already do, but with a community identity, a community mindset, which just, you know, in terms of the practice, just means involving other people in those activities. If you're watching the game, then watch the game with, uh, with, with people from the Christian community, with unbelievers, with the family, so that you're doing family time, uh, community time, mission, and enjoying the game all at the same time. Uh, so, so it's not just about adding activity, but about the way you see uh, your identity. Mm. Great, thank you. Um, one thing you said in there um, is um, basically see everything through the community. Uh, one question about that I would have is, um, can you talk a little bit about how Christians in community with one another, how, uh, how they can use their, their personality, their gifts, hobbies, um, could you explain how they could use that for evangelism? For example, maybe it's hospitality or serving. Yes, I think. Uh, I think increasingly in the West today, we are trying to reach a generation of people who are not interested in church. Church, if they have spiritual questions, their default is not to think, "Well, I better go to church on Sunday and get some answers." Uh, so they're not. If, if you invite someone to an event and they come, that's brilliant, and, and go for it. But, but often people are not in that position. And I think we have a great opportunity to engage with them by sharing ordinary life with them. So if your hobby is sort of kids baseball, then get involved in the local baseball uh, team in the league and uh, be part of that. Get to know the other mums and dads. Uh, and uh, use that as a context in which to share the gospel. Invite them over to your home to watch the game or whatever it might be. Um, so, so, so use those natural interests that you have as an opportunity to connect with unbelievers. Uh, if you love running, you know, if you're a jogger, then then see if you can find join a running club, or uh, or see if you can find a neighbour who also goes running. See if you can run together and you know race each other or whatever it might be. But but doing what you're doing any uh, already but doing it in a way that involves other people so that, it, that you have opportunity to build relationship and then uh, always looking for opportunities then to share the gospel. So I think those are some of the ways that we can begin to use those natural uh, inclinations, personalities. I think the other thing is that when you're doing a mission as a community, so that is when you're involving, when, when you're introducing your unbelieving friends to your believing friends, when they're seeing you in relationship with one another, then you get all that diversity of Christian experience, of personality, of gifting, all of that kind of comes together to uh, impact that uh, unbeliever. So sometimes within a Christian community, you have great people who are great at organizing social events. They're the people that say, let's go and watch the latest movie and uh, arrange that for that to happen. You have other people who are great at hospitality, inviting people into their homes. You have other people that are great at explaining or responding to people's questions about faith. And then you have some people who are good at uh, just presenting the, um, confronting people, actually, you know, presenting the challenge of to, to faith and repentance to people. And uh, if you sort of, on their own, all those gifts sort of lose some of their power, 
but you put them together and there's a real potency there about uh, that diversity in the Christian community and the way that impacts on uh, people's lives. That's very helpful. We always try to toss in one or two fun questions just for our listeners as well. So uh, whenever you're not writing or pastoring, what do you do for fun? What kind of hobbies do you have? Uh, my hobby's very boring, so I usually uh, make something up on the spot. So it's usually sumo wrestling and Arctic exploration. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Do you? Okay, another one for you. Do you have any favorite writers, maybe a handful that you can share with us, whether it be theology, fiction, church history, whatever it may be? Oh, dear. I hate that. That, that question I really do despise. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that, uh, um, I, my favorite novelist is probably Wendell Berry. And the guy gave, suggested him to me, and he said it's a sort of four hundred pages and nothing happens, but um, but but uh, but you'll love it, and and I do. So uh, Wendell Berry would be my, one of my favourite novelists. So. I, I tell you what, I, the normal way I answer this question is I just say whoever I'm reading at the moment. At the moment, I'm reading Martin Luther, and uh, he is always terrific. So uh, so Martin, let's let's go for Martin Luther. Actually, I have a handwritten letter from uh, Wendell Berry and then a friend who had uh, lunch with him yesterday, actually. So he uh, he opens his home every Sunday. If anyone wants to come and visit him, he can ha- they can have lunch with him. It's kind of neat. Oh, yes, okay. I'll bear that in mind if ever I'm in, um, in, the States. in Virginia. Is it Virginia? Uh, Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky. 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 Yeah. That's right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to join our show. It's been a joy. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that this broadcast will be used to strengthen your faith and your love for the local church. The Daily Brew is a listener-supported broadcast. We exist because of generous donors such as yourself. If you're interested in having your business advertised on our show, please reach out to us through our Facebook page or our website at www.yourdailybrew.com. Snappies make us happy. Okay, that was just weird. Whenever we get a craving for something to eat, where do we at the Daily Brew go? We go to Snappy Tomato Pizza on Washington Pike. If you go to Snappy, you're certain to get the best tasting pizza in town. Snappy's pizzas are made fresh daily with a large selection of toppings. If you're planning on inviting your buddies over for the big game, ask for the beast. It's 24 slices and over 6 pounds of deliciousness. Snappy Tomato, quality pizza. We love Snappy.